Hello and welcome to another episode of This AFL Life. I am a bit cooked tonight, so we'll just see how we go. <laughs> but I am your host, Alison Smenoff, and I am joined once again by my co-host, Rachel Hibbert. Hello, Alison. And Susan Cadman. Good evening, Alison. Happy Monday. Yeah, we are, <laughs> we are doing this on a Monday, which we don't normally do, hence maybe why I'm a little bit unprepared I don't know I'm just frazzled <laughs> I'm just frazzled, frazzled <laughs> and zonked and just like I don't even know who I am <laughs> it is a bit like that though Alison I'm feeling a bit the same where I don't really know what day it is and I look forward to the days that football is played but I don't even consider those days being weekends anymore so because they're not um so really, today was a Monday, felt like Friday. Hmm. Hmm. How are you, Susan? I'm fine. I don't know what's going on with you two, but... Yeah, you've been I'm camping for a weekend. You've had a lush it's true. escape. So it's, spending time in the water is very, very good for you. And in the footy season, well, we're about to launch into it, BFLW season. The opportunities are few and far between. So, yes, I took the opportunity to go spend a couple of nights down in Anglesey and I am feeling fantastic for it. So I would recommend. There you go. Some vitamin C, as in S-E-A. That's a good one, Al. Well done. Do you know what came to my head? (laughs) As we go on, we remember. Do you remember that song? (laughs) Oh, dear. Um, before this completely goes off the rails, um, what were our positives and RFIs from round five? It's like 5.5, isn't it? Yeah. Because Frio's played six. Some people have played three. Some people have played four. But for round five, my positive, bizarrely, is uh, a road trip that I took to Casey to watch Melbourne versus the Suns and it was actually really fun just getting in a car with three of my mates and driving down to Casey and talking crap for an hour and 10 minutes and then watching footy and doing the same on the way back (laughs) Um, (laughs) so that was real positive but in terms of what happened on the field I just thought Adelaide were so dominant and really fun to watch just they are speaking each other's language. They were really, really in sync. And the other one is North Melbourne having a win down in Hobart um, against Fremantle, which was a really entertaining game uh, in terms of really good footballers on the park and just Ash Riddell in general. Absolute dynamite. Mm, what a jet. What about you, Al? Well, I'm going to say that my positive was the cats getting on the winners list. Giddy up. And that was good. I didn't, I still haven't caught up on all the games from the weekend, but I did catch the end of that game and boy, it was exciting. Maloney's goal in the last minute (sighs) brought the house down. So stressful. There was three lead changes in the dying minutes. Yeah. And Geelong had led all day and then West Coast kicked a goal. Uh, so they were, I'm pretty sure, one one or two points up and then Geelong came back and snuck over the line with a goal from from Maloney who really celebrated as if she'd won the premiership yeah. by kicking that goal and good on her. <laughs> In fact, <laughs> I think they kind of had a, a 
a similar celebration when they won that one game last year too. Yes. <laughs> it's like they had won the grand final. So more wins for the Cats because we want more celebrations. Yes. And if they win more, will the celebrations die off? I hope not. Hope not. I hope they keep coming. What about you, Caddy? My positive was um, for one thing from last week, Alison, you actually highlighted a particular player, Kirsty Lamb, the mm. Bulldogs, who I don't know. I don't know if we're going to say that, you know, you highlighting Kirsty's efforts got, you know, really like got the recognition that she might have deserved, but she, she was pretty good against, <laughs> against the Tigers and just having a look and she got, um, 10, 10 of the um, coaches' votes, mm-hmm. which is pretty impressive. So um, it's just exciting when you have, we have play, little um, players that we like to watch here at this for Life. Um, it's really nice to see them performing well. And that was obviously the Bulldogs might be hitting their strides a bit. Um, the other thing I, I read today um, just on that game, and this is the um, – we're just so professional because I'm just going to like randomly pick a number here. But um, <laughs> Katie Brennan is the only player to have kicked one or more goals in 11 consistent consecutive games. Does that sound like it's a stat that you might have read, Alison, as well? Or did I just make that up? No, you didn't make it up. Uh, yes. I definitely read that this week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can I just say, isn't it great seeing players play in positions that they're supposed to be in? <laughs> because she is so good up forward. And she's it's really such nice a good to forward. See her kicking goals. Oh, she's but, such a dominant forward. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. That in my opinion, that really just um shows where Brennan is most valuable on a on a football team is right there in the forward line. So I just thought that was really interesting. Um, and that's pretty, pretty bloody consistent really because goals are pretty hard to come by, which leads me into my RFI for the week. Mm. Inaccuracy in front of goals nearly cost North Melbourne the game yesterday. Um, they were really, they had all the momentum. They were all over them. They, they were squeezing Frio. You know, they were kind of playing the Fremantle type of game where they were just, really like attacking the footy to at every contest, you know, really trying to shut them down. They're doing a great job. Had heaps of opportunities in front of goals. Kicked a few out on the full. Um, I don't know what the end score was. Who did you? Mm, it was 26 to 16, but Kangaroos kicked 3-8. Yeah. I mean, eight out of your 11 scoring shots um, as points. I just think it's something that we've seen a little bit, and I know that we've talked about it with the Demons before. Um, again, being a bit inaccurate in front of goal this season. Um, who was someone else was a bit inaccurate, has been a bit. In, anyways, it's just something that seems to be coming in front. I mean, I know Carlton are having trouble getting it in any points. <laughs> um, but let's let's not um, let's not go down this road. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's RFI goal kicking. Mm. What about you, Hib? I agree. I think. Even just watching the Melbourne Suns game, Melbourne was so dominant in getting the inside 50s and then it was as if it was just surge kicking it at the goals, which I know we often comment at our own training caddy about just getting it on the boot and getting a score. 
and see what happens kind of vibe. But when you do have a clean inside 50 and a mark taken, you really rely on your forwards to go back, set themselves up and deliver what they should be really practising lots of. Um, Crows as well, they kicked seven, nine. In what was a really dominant performance, they still had the opportunity to kick a lot straighter than that. Uh, And as we've said numerous times, one goal can make all the difference in an AFLW game in terms of percentage, in terms of just keeping yourself in that game with 16 aside. My RFI is not to the round in particular. It's more so a comment, but I just hope the Saints are okay and that <laughs> they're all at training And because we haven't really spoken about the Saints in a while, nor have we seen them. Yeah. Where are the Saints? Remember them? <laughs> just. Just. But when did we actually last see them? I feel like it's like three rounds ago. They've played three games. So round three was the last time we saw them. Yeah, that's a that's um, just a huge break, isn't it? And, like, yeah. it was just, like, bad luck because they came up against two teams that had to postpone matches because of COVID. Mm. Presumably yeah. they're, they're healthy and have been just training all that time. Yes, we're not to know as well because we haven't seen any ins or outs or health and safety protocols. We don't know if their team's been affected by COVID thus yet. Thus yet, thus far. <sighs> Cooey. <gasps> um, so, yes, my RFI is simply I hope the Saints are okay wherever they may be and I'm looking forward to seeing them back on the park this week and rumour has it that G-Train may be back on the field, which I would love to see. Love, love, love to see. I was just going to say as we're a day out of from the West Coast Saints game. Who do you reckon is going to win that one? It's almost a really interesting matchup of like an underdone team who hasn't played much footy as we just talked about. Because West Coast, who must just be exhausted and kind of out there, you know, probably ready to go home. <laughs> I'm interested to see kind of, they're probably two of the weaker teams as well. It's kind of nice. It'll be kind of nice to see them match up against each other. Hopefully it'll be a, Hopefully it will be an even match anyway. Um, I've got an RFI and it's for myself. Um, <laughs> my, my footy tips have just gone south. <laughs> Dear, I haven't even checked. I have got some serious room for improvement there. My goodness. Are you at least beating me? I think I am. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, dear. Let's, let's have a look, will we? Um, I'm still scrolling down. Let's do a quick Um, tipping check-in, shall we, while we're talking of it? Yeah. Well, I think when I checked earlier today, I was in the 40s of our particular competition. Um, Susan's sitting at 41. (laughs) Alison's sitting at 43. And I'm sitting at 46. Jeez, we're lucky we can talk. Because we can't do so that. RFI is for all of us. All of us, case. basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would Be like, better. yeah, I would like to blame, you know, the disrupted fixture and forgetting to put my tips in. It's like, no, I'm regularly putting my tips in, even with the fixture changes. I'm just terrible at tipping, and this is not a surprise to me. I've always been really bad at tipping, but <laughs> I'm still going to put it out there as an RFI. Oh dear me. Yep. Good one, Al. Good RFI. 
think that's something we can all focus on. So we had a great show last week with um, our special guest host, Sarah Perkins. Um, got a lot of love for that episode. Again, thank you, Perko, for just your realness and generosity and honesty and rawness. And it was just a beautiful, which is beautiful to have you on the show. Um, but something else I've I noticed this week and probably because we did talk a little bit about humanizing players and you never really know what players are going through off field, but something that I really liked um, seeing on Twitter today, particularly Perko, a few other players like Steph Kiochi. Um, there was a photo of the Dockers uh, on the plane getting ready to go back home to Perth and, um, and Perko just gave them a shout, a shout out and said, thank you for basically all your sacrifices to keep the season going. And I just thought that was a really lovely thing. And I just don't know, do we, do we see that kind of stuff in men's sport? I don't feel like we do. Or if we do, we don't see it enough. Definitely not to the same degree. I reckon, I reckon you're seeing AFLM teammates calling out teammates in social media or ex-teammates calling out ex-teammates in social media. But I don't reckon you would just see that general from across the it wasn't just the two of them. There was a whole bunch of them that really genuinely mm. were thanking yeah. Fremantle um, from across the whole league. Yeah, I agree. I think it just shows that the AFLW is one big family, doesn't it? Mm. And everyone's just so grateful for all the um, sacrifices that everyone else is making to play. And that no doubt comes about from the way the AFLW is structured compared to AFLM, you know, they're not professional. They have to all give a bit and they all, everyone gets it and just really appreciates it. um, Yeah. I thought it was really nice too. Alice saw that. Yeah. I thought it, again, agree, completely agree. It was a lovely gesture and they're not wrong. We wouldn't really have had the same competition without West Coast and Fremantle packing up their bags and coming over here or vice versa. Um. I think I have seen it in the AFLM when things, I guess, happen and news gets released. For example, Tipper um, has taken absence of leave from Essendon at the moment and I did see a few AFLM people tweeting and sharing it on social media saying um, this is so important that we realise this and bringing it to the attention of of other people, which I thought was really nice. And I um, remember when Alex Rance did his knee Um, there was large support across the field from AFLM players. And I guess maybe it's just not the media I'm consuming as well Mm. because I love following all the AFLW players more so than I do the AFLM. But in saying that, I think you're right. I think there is an element of AFLM not humanising themselves too much because maybe that's a sign of weakness or maybe... Mm. um, they've had so much media training that says don't share anything that mightn't be related to you or something like that. I'm not sure. That's a really interesting point. Mm. And by extension today, also um, Darcy Vessio posted on their Instagram page um, and just said, it's been a tough few weeks. Thanks to everyone who's been watching and supporting us. Footy is a wild ride. Got to strap in. Um, Yeah. But even that, that Darcy, you know, felt the need to do that, <laughs> to say that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I agree in the way that I don't think an AFLM player um, would be acknowledging 
that they mightn't be having the season that they anticipated or the performance that they had worked so hard to to maybe have. Yeah, I really valued Darcy's words, really. Speaking of um of players getting around one another, there was an announcement this week, a very exciting announcement of the senior um Swans AFLW coach, a very, very, very popular appointment in Scott Gowans, um, the excellent Melbourne coach. I jumped on Twitter straight after that announcement was made and it was full of players, coaches, footy people just praising the appointment and just saying it couldn't be, like couldn't go to a better person and that he's the right person for the job and that, it was just nice to see someone who is who has invested so much time and energy into women's and girls' footy through pathways and all the opportunities um, be provided with that position, particularly after um, 2020, you know, the, the cost cutting that impacted his previous role. Mm. He went, he, you know, did, he wasn't lost to the system, went over to Collingwood as an, an assistant, you know, by his time there in a really successful team and they have a very strong coaching group there. And I'm sure that he would be um, sent off to Swans with their blessing. But it's just really nice to see um, these kind of stories and just seeing such a popular coach because I don't know, this is a comparison, not sure if anyone's been watching the um, fallout from Justin Langer, the men's cricket coach, Australian cricket coach. It's been the complete opposite, you know. He was obviously just not a popular guy and there's all this bickering and so, you know, there's ways to do things, you know, I guess it's really nice to see someone who deserves a position given that position. The other amazing coincidence, maybe fate, is that Gowans, when you jumble up all the letters, actually is ghost ones. So Scott, ghost ones. Yeah, but that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, don't credit me for that. I, I definitely saw it on social media. Oh, I was going to say, uh, yeah. this is brilliant, Hibba. Yes, I saw it on the Sydney Swans account, which I am following closely now um, in an absolute last minute bid to maybe move to Sydney. (laughs) I'm joking. (laughs) Um, But I agree, Caddy. I think he just remembering Scott from 2016, 2017, um, harnessing that talent from Diamond Creek and spreading it large into the AFLW community. Um, The other piece of expansion news that I've seen floating around at the moment is that the next thing that clubs have to, I guess, stamp is any player signings, any first exclusive nabs that they can get. And I saw Andy Ma (laughs) be quoted today saying that if Port Adelaide don't swoop in on Erin Phillips, then the competition will just blow up. What do you think? What do you think? Will she stay at Adelaide or do you think she has so much history at Port that she will jump ship? I just feel like the family connection is so strong to Port. Like she's got no choice, really. She has to go. Yeah, she's gone. She'll be coaching there. She'll she'll coach and play at Port Adelaide, guarantee. Oh, my gosh. What if we see the first player coach? (laughs) It'll It'll be Phillips. Wow. Perfect fit. Do you think on-field player coach? Yep. Wow. I agree. I think she'll go. I think there'll be a lot of conversation happening in the Adelaide camp as well about 
what will be happening and uh, she won't leave with any sour trails but I think uh, they'll be pretty sad to lose her obviously as anyone would be Mm. interesting times expansions going to give so many so many girls an opportunity and players an opportunity Um, and there's going to be so much movement particularly around South Australia and um, New South Wales so it's very exciting but even just like I don't think clubs know yet what the expansion signing rules are yet so like no you know you'd just be sweating bullets like if you if you would if you were like an underperforming team and you've got top players you know like those new clubs are going to be chasing them down like yes really we haven't seen a new we haven't seen a new cba either uh so people who were contracted for those two years uh this is the end of those two-year contracts so oh gosh (laughs) i've got a bit of a shiver then (laughs) oh my god it's gonna be a hot mess hot sweats yeah Okay, so it's our favourite part of the show where our listeners help us with the show, basically. (laughs) (laughs) As she always does, KRow87 has a question for us. Iconic. What can Carlton do to salvage their season? Not finals, but something to help finish on a high. Well, I think Mimi Hill was a definite positive, uh, having missed a year and then like basically getting 26 touches in her first game back um, was incredible. I think you're right. Mimi Hill, Beck Goddard was talking about Mimi's contribution in, in the commentary and she was saying how much better the ball movement was just having someone of her um, kick and calibre inserted into the team. And I didn't understand what they'd been missing, but then when you saw her disposals and, meters gained and off the ball running um, and repeat efforts. I think they can build on that and maybe that'll give them a bit of a spring in their step. What won't help them is playing Fremantle at Fremantle on Saturday. Mm. I think that's a really, really, even though Frio will be coming out of um, seven days of isolation, um, Carlton, that's a really long trip for them. And a, a, a big ask. Who else have they got? They've got Carlton, uh, sorry, they've got St Kilda, then GWS, then the Suns, then Melbourne. So there is possibility they can come home with a spring in their step, but how big is it? I'm not sure. What can they do? Caddy, as a, as a putting your coaching hat on, Got a team with a lot of talent, obviously underperforming, obviously like really low, almost devoid of confidence, it seems. What what would you do as a coach to kind of, I don't know, just release the pressure a little bit or something? It's Yeah, it's a tricky one. I think the biggest issue is they're low on confidence because mm. that's from what it looks like. They're just, they look a bit lost and they just mm. sort of step behind a little bit. Um, they're not kicking goals, which is they've got people to kick goals. So that's just strange in itself. Um, and I wouldn't want to link it back to, you know, I don't, I think they'll probably 
it was a great trade, Taylor Harris to Demons. You know, that opened up the options for them in their for, in the forward line scoring. Um, I mean, all you can do is break it down to little things. You know, you set little goals, you set each individual little goals to improve. Um, you set your line goals um, and you start ticking those off quarter by quarter, um, game by game, and just sort of have to build that confidence back up again. Um, I imagine that the, they're feeling the pressure and perhaps because there is quite an inexperienced group that might be playing with them mentally. So it might just be about resetting, reframing their mindsets mm. um, to make it not more achievable, but to, I guess, have something to build on. Because I think at the moment, like, yeah, um, they just seem a bit lost. and I, I just mm. don't know. Um if it's going to get too much better for them at, at the moment. So something's got to change and that might just be a complete kind of overhaul there. Yeah. But I'm sure they're doing all those things, the coaching group, you know, it, it takes time. You can't, it's, there's no, in any sport or there's no magic wand yeah. for how you just sort of magically fix something that's going so wrong. Um, so I guess what we'll look for in the next few weeks is little signs of improvement for, for the Blues and um, hopefully a few more scoring shots and, you know, bringing more people into the game. Some of the stars have been quiet, um, unusually quiet. You know, these players, are, they're not going to stay quiet for a whole season, guarantee that. So, um, yeah, just we'll just keep watching. When I think about GWS getting in a bit of a funk across the seasons and how what it has taken is the young spice to come through. So like we saw Georgia Garnett at GWS and then in that game that GWS played a couple of weeks ago where they had, I think it was four or five debutants come in and they were all ready to go red hot, just there to prove a point and earn their spot. Maybe it might take something like that for Carlton to be a bit shaken up to have someone dropped and throw some other young talent in there to kind of shake things up a bit and say, well, you know, if you're not if you're not hitting your targets or if you're not working to gain the meters or you're not getting the ball inside 50, then you don't play. And I guess we played against Carlton in a VFLW practice match um, um, about two weekends ago and Maddie Gearan was playing against us and just absolutely tore it up in the midfield. Um, and I, I'd like to know what it's taking for her to break into that side um, because she is such an elite user of the football. So I'd like to see some things maybe shaken up, shaken, not stirred. Yeah, no, you make an interesting point because I was actually going to bring up Maddie Guerin too um, because she's got run and carry and she's got a penetrating kick. And Carlton, this season, their delivery forward has been really bad. It's been really bad. Yeah. Yeah. And we saw Poppy Sharp come in and be a bit of an excitement machine in the forward line, but she wasn't able to get her hands on the ball because it wasn't really down there. Yeah. Paige Trudgeon is doing a mountain of work in the back line because it's I think always Moore, down there. <laughs> yes. And I but I think Moore and um Moore and Kez play a similar game of wanting to run and carry and running so far up the ground that it then sometimes leaves gap in the in the back line or as we saw on the weekend, Kez actually went into the midfield to play against Aaron Phillips. So shake it up a bit, I think. Yeah. But, I mean, the scoreboard doesn't reflect it, but I, I kind of feel that Carlton were a little bit more settled on the weekend. I mean, and they came up against yeah. Adelaide, really unlucky because they would 
mm-hmm. probably always going to get beaten because Adelaide are just white hot at the moment. But I think, you know, having like Gab Pound back as well, Mimi coming in, the, I think, you know, th- there were some positives. So anyway, this isn't the Carlton show. <laughs> but, you know, we just answer the questions that come in. Fans want to know. <laughs> we just really want to see Carlton succeed because we love them so much, I think. Exactly. Mm. And we know how much it's hurting the players. It's really hard fronting up each week mm. and losing. Yeah. We did a lot of it last year. Mm. <laughs> it's really hard. Um, so this isn't, these aren't questions, but just a couple of comments from um, PT underscore core. And he said, love Beck Goddard's fucking hell when, when Aaron Phillips <laughs> went the bicycle kick against the Blues. <laughs> um, and then <laughs> he's followed it up with also, can we relegate the Blues so I don't have to go through this every weekend? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Uh, very yeah. good from PT underscore core. Yeah. I am kind of with you there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Hiba. Alison. Do you know what time it is? <laughs> Every week. <laughs> time for. <laughs> Would you rather? Okay. This is from Sam underscore I underscore Marshall. Recruiting for a new team. Would you rather? Ash Riddell or Kirsty Lamb and why? Woofed. Now, this is a really hard question because, like, Ash Riddell is, like, dominating the stats. But then, like, Kirsty Lamb, not dominating the stats as much, but is just so important to her team. So is it team-specific with Kirsty? Mm. I think Kirsty would honestly have that effect wherever she played because she's just such a good footballer and has played for so many years. She's just so knowledgeable under the ball, on the ball, through the ball, whatever the terms are. Yeah. I'm thinking if you're, if you're wanting to target a stoppage superstar, you get Kirsty Lamb. I think I want Kirsty Lamb as well. For no particular reason other than I just think she's a goddamn superstar. And I think Riddell sees a lot of the football, but I think Kirsty Lamb is just using it to a whole other level at the moment. And we've only seen her play like a few games because of COVID and the Western Bulldogs actually haven't played a lot mm. this season. So, um, Which is probably mm, why she's not dominating the stats as yes. much because she actually exactly. hasn't played enough. <laughs> exactly. Coach Caddy, who would you be recruiting? Yeah, I think Lamb's more. Um, I think Riddell has been a lot of possessions, but I think Lamb's impact is more. And, but honestly, I probably don't know enough of either of them to give you a definitive answer. So, what I'm looking forward to paying closer attention to those two particular players. I mean, it was kind of hard to avoid. Um, Lamb was so dominant the other day, but um, mm. yeah, I think it's a really good question. And isn't it funny that I wonder if we would even thought those two players would be in the frame for this kind of com- this kind of question this time last season? Yeah, awesome. I know. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. And as you said, Caddy, it's just so nice to see the players who are a bit more mature and a little bit older just having that time and dominating and really coming to their 
I guess they've matured into this, um, into their spots and their team, and they're real, they're real targets now. It's really, really great to see. We've got a question from Wendy Pierce. We love, we love Wendy. She's a huge fan of the show. Um, her mm. would you rather is would you rather sit next to someone at the footy that says nothing, or next to someone who gets involved in the action? <laughs> Wendy, hello. <laughs> it's me, the person who gets involved in the action. <laughs> oh, it was nice to see the pierces at the football on the weekend. Um, I did get tickets from Gabby and our little Carlo that I mentioned earlier did go and sit in the very, very mediocre grandstand at Casey, which is all of four rows. Yep. <laughs> Um, and we set up the back with the Pierces and the Colvins and other families who probably don't know who I am and I don't know who they are, so that's okay. But it was really lovely to see you, Wendy, and I would rather sit next to someone who gets in on the action. Mm, me too. Because that's the Pierces. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I'm the same. But, like, if you come to the football with me, don't ask me lots and lots of questions because I won't answer you. No, no. And, you know, special comments, always good, really, really help with, with the banter. Um, but we're not allowed to boo. No booing. No. no booing. No booing. Even at the umpires, no booing. Caddy, would you rather sit with someone who gets in on the action or sits down and shuts up? Hmm. As you both know, I'm, I'm a pretty quiet kind of person. Um, <laughs> I really do like my peace and quiet and would like to concentrate to watch a game. But um, I get excited at the AFLW2 and like to talk. If anyone talks to me, I'll talk to them back. So, you know, I think it's much more exciting having people around you. And I'm, I'm, more, I'm opposite. I'm more than happy for people who've never been to an AFLW game to ask me a million questions because I just love sharing and explaining and encouraging more people to be fans of the game so if you see me at the game you come have a chat with me I don't mind you can ask me (laughs) what is that that just happened and I'll try my very best to explain it to you I promise (laughs) we'll just send them to you Caddy if you're new if you're new to the game of course I will answer your questions I'm not saying I'm not saying (laughs) that I'm just saying like don't you know talk to me about survivor I'm not gonna talk to you (laughs) Uh, peace yep Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk to you about what's happening in front of me. Okay. Next one is from Rat. Would you rather cop a knee square in the back from Talia Randall or Taylor Harris? Crikey, neither. Yeah, that's really unpleasant. Speaking of, Talia Randall has just become such a target for North Melbourne in that forward line to let Emma King have a bit of a break and like she was taking incredible marks in the defensive 50 and then would have to you know hit a target up the midfield why not use that use that booming kick as a you know a scoring chance and heck they have um just on that just I was thinking that exact thing yesterday that and this is one of my biggest biggest I just am such a believer if you are, if you can defend, then you can play forward because especially if you're someone who reads the play exceptionally well on defence, Italia Randall does, 
and can read the play. Can somehow she, she was beating like three players in the air, taking marks yesterday. But you can do that as a defender. You can do that as a forward. And I think that the best, um, you'll find that most of the best sort of key position players actually do swing. I mean, it's like in old school footy would swing from end to end because sometimes teaching, reading the play is really hard. I think some people get it and some people don't. That's that's fine. You can still play footy. It's just that some people are exceptional at it. And when you have those plays like Randall, I think it's a masterstroke. And I think it's just, yeah. Yesterday, she really stood out yesterday. Mm. That's something that Dad and I talk about a fair bit, actually, is the pigeonholing of players into specific lines. And we think it's so odd when someone who normally plays in defence, you know, comes into the midfield or vice versa. And it was something I found really frustrating when I first started playing football because I wanted to get my hands on the ball wherever I could on the field. I didn't really understand that normally people play roles and, hang back or go in and someone goes up for a mark, et cetera. So whilst having a line and a group is really important, I think knowing your role or knowing a role, depending where the, depending on where the ball is around the ground is probably more important than knowing how to play as a defender or a forward. It's just how to play football at wherever it is on the ground, which I think Kirsty Lamb does exceptionally. Sorry, back to Talia or Taylor. I think <laughs> my answer is neither. Well, I, I think I'm going to say I think I would rather cop a knee from Taylor Harris because I think death would be quick, whereas <laughs> Talia Randall, like, could be maimed for life. Clawed. So that's why. Clawed the back. Yeah. I'm going to go with Taylor. R.I.P. me. Yeah, same. I'm with you, Al. I just want neither. I don't want to. Oh, God, footy. Knee <laughs> in the back. Oof. No, Ouch. Okay. Oh, this is great. This is from our friend, Chris AFLWOW. Would Susan, <laughs> would Susan rather bench press anonymous or run rings around them on a 400-metre track? <laughs> well, I think we all know that uh, I'm never going to choose the running option um, <laughs> and that I happen to know that I could bench press anonymous with my broken fing- p- um, pinky finger. So <laughs> I'll choose the bench pressing, thanks, but I am loving this uh, roundabout. Um <laughs> This is a roundabout way of sledging me every every episode. It's awesome. Bring it on. Amazing. No, but I think definitely, Caddy, you could bench press Anonymous. Absolutely. Depends on who Anonymous is because we don't know who they are. That's true, but maybe I do. Yeah, true. <laughs> and can you confirm I could easily bench press Anonymous? Easily, also? yeah. Great. 400 right. metre track, yeah. maybe not so much. Not so much, <laughs> not so much. Okay, and the last would you rather is from at Hibs doing things. Hey guys, it's me. <laughs> and I'm very pleased, Hiba. I'm very pleased you actually wrote a coherent question in. This, this is why <laughs> I actually put pen to paper, but not actually. 
So it's quite a good one too. Would you rather play 16 aside without Lasso or 18 aside with Lasso? That, of course, is the last touch rule. I await your well-thought-through responses. I would just like to never play football with Lasso. It's the most frustrating rule in the world. Whatever it takes to get rid of Lasso. Because <laughs> it's a football. Like, a football can bounce anyway. You know what I mean? Like, so many kicks or, you know, disposals aren't necessarily looking for the boundary. But because it's a football with an oval shape, it ends up over there. And then it just, yeah, don't get me, yeah, I'll get family the lasso. That's my answer. Yeah, I don't think we need it anymore. Tell you what, Loz Pierce would have more than 20 hitouts if we didn't have the lasso because she'd be having to get across to do some more taps. My um, word. Also, just shout out to LP. Also got 10 coaches' votes, mm. 20 hitouts, but game high 20 disposals too. I know. I know. Absolutely. She just dominated. Yeah. yeah. I asked this question, I remember why I jotted it down, was because watching the Carlton-Adelaide game, Carlton did surge it forward and it would bounce and bounce and then go over the line. And it was so frustrating to watch. And I agree, Caddy, I just don't think we have room for it anymore, whether they're 16 aside or 18 aside. Um, Al, what would you rather? I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of, I kind of want to say 18 aside because that would require less running. <laughs> mm, yeah. Mm, mm. I think if we had a lasso rule, just put 18 people on the field. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go 18, 18 aside with it. That's fair. And Caddy, you're saying 16 without it. Jeez, that's a whole lot of running. Mm. Yeah. But I reckon, yeah, I reckon the school level's there. I just, yeah, but I think we should just go back to 18 aside. 18 aside without. The fields aren't smaller. No. <laughs> That's the thing that people no. don't realise. The fields aren't any smaller than a men's game. No. And they're you talking have to about fatigue and, like, people getting injured and overloading. Yeah. Well, let them have an extra two teammates to kick to. Exactly. Yeah. Stiff. Well, that is, that's all of the questions and would you rathers for the week. Um, just, just quickly, we did mention it earlier in the show, but VFLW kicks off this weekend. The Arab and Falcons are playing on Saturday, I believe. Do we know who we're playing? We do. We are playing against Williamstown. Mm-hmm. And we think at this stage it's at midday, but that is also still up in the air. Um, at La Trobe Uni? At La Trobe University, yeah, mm-hmm. in Bandura. Well, hopefully it can be brought forward so it's not, you're not playing in, <laughs> yeah. in midday <laughs> in 33-degree heat. Um, but how, how, are you, how are you both feeling? Like are you feeling like you're ready to be in, you know, week-to-week game mode? I mean, I don't have to, I don't have to play, so <laughs> it feels easier for me. <laughs> Um, I'm really excited. I can't wait to get, st- I can't wait to start playing because from a coaching perspective, it's easier to coach when you have games and mm. game sense stuff to break down and teaching points and things to look at and work on. Um, there's only so much you can do in, you know, 
drills and match sim at training. And um, I just think that the squad will be energized by starting as well. And um, we've got, yeah, I just think it's been a really short preseason, but um, really looking forward to it starting, even if it is in the middle of 35 degree heat wave again. Um, you know, it is what it is. We're playing. We're fortunate to be playing. So, um, yeah, very excited. Very, very excited. I have very mixed emotions. It's with excitement that I look forward to Saturday because we have a new team and a new coaching um, panel and we've got amazing support staff who have really helped us get to where we are at the moment. Um, And I'm really, really ready to take the field, but there are so many things that come with the season that um, kind of take over your life a little bit. So it's um, eating well, sleeping well, going to trainings, going to the gym, all of that kind of stuff that you really just have to keep going with. Um, And there's always the emotional side of it as well, things like selection and um, staying on top of your teammates in terms of getting them up and morale and all that kind of jazz. So I'm really excited, but I'm also nervous, which I think is good because I know what um, gets me going and it's nerves. (laughs) So I, I really look forward to taking the field whenever that may be whether it's this week or next week or whenever I get to get on the, on the field. So, um, and I actually feel like the Falks won't be losing every week this year, which is really, really exciting because we had a really, really hard run last year against a lot of AFLW players Mm. um, who were in red hot form. So we learned a lot and I think we'll take that into the season firing. I hope. yeah, just footy's back. I'm so I don't know how to feel. It's February and footy's back. <laughs> I'm so hot thinking about it. <laughs> well, I'm excited about attending, but I'm just like, what do I? What do I? What, do I take an umbrella for shade? Like it's just there's no shade <laughs> yes. there. <laughs> yes, yes. My parents are taking a marquee out. Oh. So if you can find Robin and Chris, just mosey on in. Yeah, there with them. And Alison, I don't know if you know this, but um, Hiver actually got voted into the leadership group this year. <gasps> so congratulations, Rachel. <laughs> Rachel. Thank you. Congrats. Yes. Um, very well deserved. Um, Thanks. And, yeah, I think that's a really, it's always a really great recognition when your peers vote you into a leadership position. And I think that, um, yeah, I think that it's just exciting and, you really are a very great leader at the Falk. So congratulations. Stop it. Thanks, Susan. No, I was very chuffed actually because there's some elite leaders in that group of people, um, plus Rachel Hibbert. So <laughs> that was um, a real honour actually to be put on that kind of pedestal. So it's a pedestal I don't take lightly. Oh, well, that's, that's a great note to finish the show on. Congrats, Hibba. Thanks, um, team. Well, let's take that positive energy into the weekend and round six of AFLW. <laughs> and uh, we will see you all next time. Thanks, Al. Have a good week. Bye.